Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. Here is This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. We appreciate you finding us on the various podcast platforms. From Google to Stitcher to Spotify to Red Circle and anywhere else in between. So appreciate you finding us. We are heading into week eight of the National Football League, week nine of the college football season. We got the World Series getting underway this week. We have the NBA starting, hockey, all things sports going on. A lot, very, very busy time of the sports calendar. Lots going on. Lots of news, lots of notes, and our guest this week on the episode is Vince Ferrara, sports radio host, 99.1 in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're going to talk to Vince about college football, Tennessee, the SEC, Big Ten, college football playoff, Halloween, and even a little Major League Baseball World Series pick. So before we get to Vince... I want to go over just a few notes and nuggets from around the sports world. One, I want to start off with the Chicago Blackhawks hockey scandal that's that's been breaking this week. The report came out about the uh, negligence of the organization concerning one of their assistant coaches uh, sexually assaulting uh, former players. What a disgrace for the Blackhawks. The president of the organization was fired. They were fined $2 million. But what a disgrace there should be major, major penalties that get hammered down on the on the Chicago Blackhawk organization for this. Apparently, it was a uh, situation where who knows who knew when about what was going on. You can be assured people knew what knew of the rumors and of the speculation in and around the organization. So, what a disgrace by the Chicago Blackhawks. The NHL should fine them more than two million dollars. They should strip them of draft picks. They should, you know. I don't know if you suspend the owner, but this is a disgrace. The uh, I saw an interview with the guy who, who the leak the name of the of the of the former player who was allegedly assaulted. Uh, just a terrible situation for that guy. Um, but um, what a, what a, what a horrid situation up in Chicago with the Blackhawks. Um, and there'll be I think you'll see some more fallout as well from this. The NFL has decided not to release the 650,000 emails. Uh, Goodell, who's been, you know, remember, Goodell is is employed by the owners. You can be assured the owners got together and uh, made this decision. This was probably not a Roger Goodell decision. They're not going to release the emails and all that stuff, which to me, I don't don't agree with that one bit. If you're going to nail John Gruden, which if he deserved to be nailed, you nail him. There ought to be other guys that get that 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 go down with the ship on this one too, because you can be assured that out of six hundred fifty thousand emails, Bruce Allen, uh, p- politicians probably in the mix, other other big time uh, figures in the league were probably in the in these email chains. 
Others should be getting penalized and nailed too as well for their conduct. Uh, remember, Daniel Snyder has still not been really suspended um, for, for all the allegations going on around the Washington football team for the last several years. Um, you know, he was fined a little bit of money, but, you know, five, ten million dollars in the in the circles of the NFL is nothing as far as a fine, things like that. So bad move there by the NFL. I don't like it one bit. It's it's a bad look. Other other owners in the league are calling out the NFL that the, these emails should all be uh, this report should all be released. Um, you will probably at some point see the report released down the road. But the NFL is, uh, you know, they are covering their ass and trying to trying to make this the story kind of go away. So, what are your thoughts on the Manning cast? Peyton Manning, Eli Manning back doing Monday Night Football after a couple of week hiatus. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, it's pretty interesting to me. I think. I think that you know what's cool is they have a lot of cool guests. They have a lot of different people. Obviously, the contacts that they have for their their, their time in the entertainment world, sports world. You have Tom Brady on this last week. Marshawn Lynch dropping the f bomb on uh, ESPN, which I'm sure they love that. You know they're good at they're good at getting lots of different figures from around the entertainment sports world on for a quarter at a time. They've had Nick Saban on, they've had entertainers on. So I like I like that they do that. It's a good uh, you know Peyton. You can tell Peyton watching the game wants to do some more X's and O's, and Eli kind of likes to just cut it up and and you know joke around and all that stuff. But you can tell Manning Peyton what really wants to uh, break down the different plays at the moments of the game when it's important. So. I think they do a good job. I like it. I think you'll continue to see it uh, moving forward, especially next year. You know, remember ESPN has tried to get Peyton Manning in the Monday Night Football booth forever um, here since he retired. So this is kind of their way. Maybe Peyton will eventually go into the booth at some point. Um, but I could also see Peyton kind of taking over the president of football operations for one of these franchises here in the next four or five years as well. So good job there. Uh, Deshaun Watson, another development out of the commissioner's office, has come out and said Deshaun Watson can be traded and he can play. There's no, he's not been put on the exempt list yet. There's not enough uh, information from the police department down in Houston to do that. So if a team wants to trade for Deshaun Watson, they are able to do that with no, uh, you know, and he could be eligible to play theoretically. Many, lots of speculation that there's a deal in place between the Dolphins and the Texans. For Deshaun, that they've agreed on compensation. Deshaun has agreed to waive his no trade. The The only issue now is I think there's spec, there's uh, trepidation by Stephen Ross. He wants there to be some resolution to the case before he makes the trade. Remember, the trade deadline is coming up middle of next week, November the 2nd, I believe. So that's the trade deadline. So I think everybody wants to get this trade done, done before that deadline so they can move on. Uh, we'll be interesting to see what the compensation is. Um, if they do finally pull the trigger on this trade, but again, Deshaun Watson can be traded without, uh, you know, he's not being played and not been placed on the, on the commissioner's list yet. He's eligible to play if he were to get traded. I don't think you'll see Miami play him. Um, but I do think you'll see Miami make a trade for him and just probably sit him down for the rest of the year. So, uh, and that will be kind of his suspension. I would think unless future uh, information comes out of the police department uh, and these cases, the 22, 23 uh, cases that are, that are facing Deshaun Watson for sexual uh, 
misconduct. <clears throat> Other notes in the NFL, Arizona moving to 7-0. Got a huge game on Thursday night against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this this podcast is being released on Thursday, so you may, you may have already uh, this game may have already happened by the time you listen. But again, seven and zero Packers Thursday night. Remember, Green Bay's been ravaged was ravaged by some COVID issues. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard out, defensive coordinator out for the Packers with COVID. JJ Watt out for the Cardinals, probably ending his season with a shoulder issue. So that's a big blow to the Cardinal defense. But the Cardinals keep getting it done, seven and zero. Um, again, probably one of the best Thursday night matchups that you're going to see. <clears throat> Kansas City in trouble, three and four, get thumped in Nashville by the Titans last week, twenty-seven to three. More turnovers by Mahomes. He got hit. He got crushed on a on a throw. Looked like he had a concu- some concussion symptoms and all that stuff. But the Chiefs are in big trouble. Their defense is not good, and it's getting no better. I mean, it's not. They're not even like you know, bottom third, they're, they're, they're bottom two or three in the league. Defensively, not good at all. The offense is just not as uh, cohesive and clicking and as smooth as it's been in years past. So it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs man, manage this situation. Because remember, their division, the Raiders are now five and two going into a bye week. Uh, the Chargers are playing well. Denver's kind of falling back to three and four. But a big, uh, big couple of weeks here for the Kansas City Chiefs. They do play Monday night against the Giants at home, so you figure they would figure out a way to get get through that game. But again, problems in Kansas City with that defense, and Mahomes is not playing nearly as well as he's played in years past. Tom Brady. They they roll the Chicago Bears 30, 38 to three. Brady sets more records, throws his six hundredth regular season touchdown pass. And add another 83 touchdowns in the regular season. So this guy's thrown 683 touchdowns, which is unbelievable. Um, you know, the, the second closest guy in the playoff uh, run of playoff touchdowns, I think, is in the mid-40s. So he's almost doubled playoff-wise uh, the, the touchdown production record. But it's just incredible. Tom Brady keeps getting it done. 600-plus regular season touchdowns. Looks like he's 32 years old playing. The offense is humming in Tampa. The defense was tremendous last week against Justin Fields. Justin Fields looked like he was not ready for the, ready for that for that kind of defense, and he's not. Uh, the Chicago Bears are in big trouble. I think Matt Nagy's days are numbered in Chicago, but um, we'll see how that how that ends up going. But Tom Brady breaking more records. He actually set a bad record this week, the first time in his career he's ever thrown seven incompletions in a row in a game and that's hard to believe over the course of 20 years bad weather all kinds of whatever circumstances are are upon Tom in a game it's the first time he's ever thrown seven straight incompletions which is kind of hard to believe so um last thing I want to hit on the World Series the World Series is uh you know underway this week Atlanta Houston not a sexy matchup for television I know Everybody wanted Dodgers, Houston, or Dodgers, Red Sox. But the Braves and Astros, to me, are the two best teams, well-rounded teams. Uh, The Braves with a great run in the playoffs, beating Milwaukee, beating the Dodgers in six games. Remember, the Braves had to remake their roster at the trade deadline when Acuna went down. They they revamped their whole outfield. They brought in Duvall, Soler, um, all kind, you know, they, Rosario was brought in as well. So 
Um, give full credit to Alex Anthopoulos for remaking that team and going for it. I like it. I hate when teams give up. The The Braves have shown they're, they're willing to go for it. Snickers, a really good manager. They got pretty good starting pitching with Freed and Anderson. Charlie Morton uh, in game one had the, had the unfortunate uh, broken leg issue in the game, got hit by a, a batted ball. He's going to be out the rest of the World Series. That will be a factor in this series because of the starting pitching prowess. Uh, Houston, obviously, disposed of the Red Sox. Everybody thought Houston was dead when it was two games to one Boston. Boston was killing the ball offensively. Grand slams galore. Houston figures out a way to recover, wins the last two games in Boston to take a 3-2 lead, and then finishes off the Red Sox in game six in Houston. Obviously, the Red Sox, I mean, the Astros are having to try to revamp and remake their reputation after the cheating scandal, uh, seeing if they can win a World Series without the allegations of cheating. So uh, I think it'll be a very good series. I think it'll go probably six games at least, if not seven. I like the Atlanta Braves to figure out a way to get it done. Uh, America's team haven't been to the World Series since 99. I think the Braves will figure out a way, pitching-wise, to get it done. Um, over the Houston Astros. I'm going to say six games. The Braves celebrate in Houston. World Series. Uh, Brian Snicker. I like Brian Snicker as a manager a lot. I think he does an unbelievable job. Apparently his son is like the batting coach for, for Houston and Dusty Baker. So good good storylines there that uh, hopefully we'll have a good World Series in a, in a, in a, in a, with some drama and some competitiveness. So they have there's the notes. Vince Ferrara coming up here in just a minute, 99.1 in Knoxville. Remember, you can find all of our video content of all the interviews we do. You can find video content on my YouTube channel at Powers on Sports the, on, the, at, on YouTube. Just search the YouTube channel, Powers on Sports. Remember, I'm involved in the No Quarter Given podcast. You'll hear a promo for that here in just a second. But we preview all the Buccaneer opponents every week, me and myself and Peter Blake. Uh, so, Check out the No Quarter Given podcast as well. You can also see those interviews on the Powers on Sports YouTube channel as well. So check us out. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us some comments. Reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. And Vince Farrar coming up in just a minute. Check out my new podcast called the No Quarter Given Podcast, where myself and Peter Blake we give a historical analysis of all the Buck opponents throughout the regular season. Week to week, every opponent that the Bucks will play this year, we will do a podcast on a historical overview of the rivalry between the Bucks and this week's opponent. So f- subscribe, rate, and review to the No Quarter Given podcast on all your podcast platforms. Thanks for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And now a word from our podcast sponsor, Titan Home Lending. For all of your home financing needs anywhere in the state of Florida, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, reach out to Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Titan Home Lending is based in Tampa, Florida. We can help you with FHA, conventional, renovation loans, jumbo loans, and virtually anything in between. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404.
All right, welcome back to the podcast. Like we mentioned, Vince Ferrara is back joining us again on the podcast. Vince is with 99.1, the sports animal up in Knoxville. He's our SEC guy. We're going to talk to Vince about all things SEC, college football. I'm even going to get a little World Series analysis from him as the World Series is starting. And we're even going to talk a little SEC basketball as, as that's right around the corner. So welcome back to the podcast, Vince. Always great to be with you, Jason. Appreciate you. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. For, before we even get to all the stuff, this time of the year in, in, in the Smoky Mountains, is, is that, isn't that a pretty beautiful place to be in the fall? Dollywood, oh, Chattanooga, Knoxville? Absolutely. Normally, the third week of October is around the range where the leaves start to change colors. It's been a little bit warmer uh, fall so far, so yeah. we haven't seen quite that to the level, but you're starting to see the leaves fall a little bit. Uh, it's, uh, it looks like now we're going to get a, some cold weather coming up tonight and over the next couple of days. So I think you'll start to see those colors really kick in in early November. It, it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It's amazing how many people you hear that tour, that go on vacation up into the mountains for a weekend and just stuff like that. And you know, where you're at is the yeah. prime area, Chattanooga, Knoxville, that whole area. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's real, 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 and it's real centric to the Southeast. You can get to Atlanta pretty easy, Birmingham, the coast. Yep. Just an easy place for wives and couples to go for a weekend and families. I mean, it's crazy. The touristy areas, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, right. You know, the drive through the Smoky Mountains. It, it's it's crazy. You get you guys know in, in the state of Florida, Orlando, and all the tourists that come into town. It's just it's huge business, and rightfully so, especially for those just wanting a break and getting to see the seasons and the colors change. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. All right. What are you dressing up for Halloween, man, this weekend? Are you a Halloween guy? <laughs> I you know, it's cool. Like it's, we were talking about that area, Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. They do such an awesome job around the holiday, starting with Halloween and decorating and things like that. So that stuff is fun and, you know, bring on the candy. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, when I was when I was younger, I'd get into, you know, dressing up. But, man, I'm always working. It's like a normal day typically and just too much to do. So I'm glad the kids enjoy it and everyone's got time. Uh, you know, more power to you. So. Yeah, not 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 uh, not doing any Halloween parties. I, I imagine the, uh, I imagine the college bar scene in Knoxville will be oh, pretty yeah. hyped up this weekend with Halloween. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the World Series. Braves Astros okay. kicking off Tuesday night. I know that's that part of the country is probably a big Braves area. A lot of yep, Braves absolutely. fan and interest. Just your thoughts yep. on the World Series and kind of the Braves run to the World Series. Well, you hit it, and that's so many Braves fans in this area. You know, here or, or right outside of Knoxville, uh, going towards the Smoky Mountains area in Sevierville, is the Cubs AA affiliate, Tennessee Smokies. Actually, they're going to move into Knoxville. So there's a lot of Cubs fans because of the Cubs affiliation. Right. And just because there's Cubs fan, uh, fans everywhere. But there are a lot of Braves fans here. So they're clearly who this area is going for tons of interest. And let's be honest, it, they're America's team in this world series with all of you know, the garbage can stuff and the scandal of the, the Houston Astros from a yeah. couple of years ago. So many people don't want them to have any sort of success. So that, that sort of uh, moves everybody over that's neutral uh, towards the Atlanta Braves. You know, I picked the Astros in seven. 
you know, that, that offense is so tough to deal with. Plus they have the home field advantage, but you know, the very evenly matched, I think there's, there's little advantages for both starting pitching for the Braves, probably the lineup for Houston, but you know, you got to look beyond the numbers because the Braves have played as good as anyone since, you know, they got past all of the trade deadline moves, which right. were genius and no one expected the Braves to be here after they lost Ronald Acuna Jr. And, you know, several other key parts of this team. So I, it's been an incredible story and they're playing their best baseball right now. Um, you know, just, uh, I, I just think two outstanding teams and, and it's going to be fun to watch it. I just wish they would do, you know, the two, the two, two, one, one, one reverses rather than the two, three, two, right, right. Because then for a short period of time, that team that is on the road, they end up having home field advantage and you have to sort of win it back. So um, we'll see if that plays a factor, but I, I just on very close call, seven games, I went with the, with the Astros. Yeah. And, and people don't realize the Braves haven't been to the world series since 1999. It's right. been a long time. So back to the glory days of the Braves of the nineties. And, you know, again, it's been a great run. I think if they're a hard nosed gritty team, they, like you said, they transformed their team around the trade deadline, bunch of trades. They're a hard, you know, just gritty gutty team. Real, I mean, no, I mean, other than Freeman, Freeman's a superstar, but a lot of good players, not a ton of great players. So I think it's just a good story. And like you said, with the contrast, with the Astros and all the stuff they've gone through, I think it'd be a cool for the Braves to, 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 you know, and again, in, in your, our part of the world, when we were little, the Braves were the only team in town because of the TBS and Superstation right. and all that stuff. So I was a huge Braves fan growing up before the Rays came around. Absolutely. You know, the Superstation that, you know, that's, that was the team you were exposed to The you know, growing up in T Tampa, you got the, the Cubs. Yankees in the Cubs, WGN, too. WGN, and then you'd, you'd see Yankees games. So those were your, your three choices in terms of great players. He didn't get maybe the national attention enough, but Freddie Freeman is pretty elite. He is. And, and, you know, then you have Austin Riley, who's a budding superstar, had a great year. He's still a young guy. Ozzy Albies right. with, you know, the flash this year and getting even better when Ronald Acuna went down. And then obviously he is an elite player, too, but he's not playing now. So just, uh, you know, just a young really likable. A lot of young guys. Very, very likable. You know, fans really grip about their bullpen. You know, they, they, they come through and make you nervous in, uh, even if they do come through and they've had some <laughs> shaky outings at times. So, but anyway, it's, you know, it, it definitely will, will uh, invigorate this area. If the Braves win, we'll give you a live update. We're taping this on Tuesday night, game one, Braves five, Houston zero bottom of the third. So a big start for the Braves in game one in Houston, Charlie Morton on the mound. All right, let's get to some SEC act action. You know, we're, about, we're probably halfway through the conference season. We're getting close. Alabama and Georgia obviously have separated themselves as kind of the two teams to beat. Who else do you like in the SEC so far? Obviously, Kentucky's on a big run. They've had a great start. Give me some. Give me your just your general thoughts about the SEC at about the halfway point. Well, you have to be impressed with what Ole Miss has done. You know, they had that crazy win over Tennessee in Knoxville. I was down on the field during all of that craziness or, or the, the last fans. half of it. Tell yep. the fans, remi reminder fans, remember <laughs> that if you didn't see this, 
the Tennessee crowd. It was a controversial spot on fourth down. They didn't make yeah. it, didn't review it. They reviewed it and got upheld. The fans, there was a, you know, throwing stuff on the field. There was about a what, 20, 25 minute delay. Yeah. 20. Yep. Tell, tell the, tell the story. What it was like being on the sideline during all that? Well, you know, it was, I was inside setting up for the post game initially. And then, you know, we're, they were still not resuming play. So I went out to the sideline when I was done <laughs> setting up and the last 10 minutes or so I was out there and you could still see fans throwing stuff. It was more on the other end from where I was at initially, right. you know, saw just fans continuing to do it. Even after the PA announcer keeps getting on there and saying there will be the game will be forfeited if you don't stop throwing stuff on the field. Uh, turns out that it would be a group effort with management on who would call that. It's not something that the officials can just decide on. They can just hold play. And I don't think that that was much of a consideration. The coaches, neither yeah. one of them said that they were talking about that. But, you know, there's a photographer that had you know, blood on the bridge yeah. of his nose. And, um, you know, another one of our one of our co-hosts from a station, he got hit by a recycling bin in the head. He was OK. <laughs> so, you know, just just scary. It's unfortunate. It caused a lot of of angst with the fans because fans that didn't have anything to do with it, which is a large percentage of the of the fans in Neyland stadium, you know, some of them are really mad at the people that did it and embarrassed them. And then others are mad at the reaction and sort of grouping everyone together that is, is ripping Tennessee nationally, but that, that, you know, it's hard to avoid that and you, you got to ex expect that. And so it was, it was a frustrating week after that reacting to all of it, but, you know, back to the game, Matt Corral ran for 195 yards and converted 11 first downs wow. with his legs. I mean, your running backs don't do that. Just an, an unreal performance by Matt Corral. And, you know, they, Ole Miss, they needed a game like that, a close game where they're really challenged and, and maybe not quite the shootout like they had the week before with Arkansas. And then what they did to LSU, really right. backing up their that they're a quality team other than the Alabama game, which is right. the one slip up, and you can certainly understand that. Sure. But maybe the two best developments, the best development for Ole Miss is that they play better defense the last right. two games right. against Tennessee and then against LSU. They played the defense like they were playing earlier in the year until they ran into Arkansas and in Alabama. That's encouraging because if Ole Miss plays that kind of defense to go with the offense and corral, I think they're definitely a threat. And they're, you know, right there behind Alabama. Um, you know, obviously they'd have to have one less loss than Alabama right. because of the the head-to-head. -head. You know, Auburn has kind of turned things around a little bit with Bo Nix playing better. So they're a team that, you know, if you're looking for somebody that could get Alabama, I've seen worse Auburn teams right, a bigger right. gap between the two beat beat Bama. So there, there's that. And then AM, the way they've turned things around again with the quarterback. Uh, in Zach Calzada, and then you know the line of scrimmage are getting it done. Two really elite running backs. It's kind of weird that it, not weird, but it, it there's a common thread in the league. The teams that are playing well, right? A lot of it you can point to the quarterback position, sure. and and Tennessee is in that group too. Hendon Hooker has turned their season around. Now, granted, overall they're four and four, but they're Nobody not that. They'd be four and four. Well, I, I think it, and competitive, uh, I, and competitive. 
that that's the key. That's the key. It's how they've gotten the four and four to be as competitive against Alabama and then have them have the offense that was projected with Josh Heupel teams in the past at UCF and Mizzou and, and Oklahoma. So I think they've over delivered in the quality of play, yeah. especially because they found a quarterback and they're delivering on offense, their defense, even though they give up a ton of yards they they lead the nation in tackles for loss and they they're actually really good against running backs. The one thing that's given them problems that they, they don't have enough depth in athletes to defend is the court, the running quarterback, right? Bryce young hadn't done that in games for Alabama this year. He'd scramble out of the pocket to keep plays alive and throw it. Well, in this game, he did some of that, but they was also more willing to run. And that's because Matt Corral had a big day against him. Emory Jones had a big day right. against him. So that's been the one thing that has hurt Tennessee and like this Tennessee team has been banged up. So that's another thing they've done. They've looked good overall, it, even with not much depth to begin with, then injuries on top of that. I think you could attribute that to coaching and culture. And we'll see. The open week comes to for them at a absolutely perfect time. Eight straight games, bunch of guys banged up, including your quarterback, your best running back, uh, to your best offensive lineman is out. Another one came back, not at 100%. And there is a longer list of guys, too. So they absolutely needed it. They have that Kentucky team that you mentioned next week in Lexington. I'll be there for that. Can't wait for it. Um, Kentucky's another team that has better improved quarterback play from what they've had yep. in years past with Will Levis kind of wonder if he's going, he has some escapability, but I kind of wonder if they may try to involve more QB run right. because that's on tape so much against Tennessee. Um, just fascinating. You know, Georgia's on the schedule. They're, they're clearly dominant and they'll be in Atlanta. I mean, Kentucky's the closest team to them. Right. Georgia has the tiebreaker uh, after already dismantling Kentucky, like I expected. So Georgia will be in Atlanta. Yeah. I, I think there's actually a little bit more question about the, you know, the West. Um, so yeah, I can keep what, going on, but those are just what, what's scary teams. is if A&M doesn't lose those two conference games in a row to what Mississippi state and who was the one before that? Uh, Arkansas. If they don't lose those two, they're leading the West. Cause they, they got, they would have had the tiebreaker against Alabama. That's the yeah. scary part. If they don't lose to Mississippi State at, in, in College Station, they'd be in the driver's seat. Not only that, it's a great point. Not only would they be leading the West, I bet they're the number two team in the country behind Georgia. You're right. I mean, there's no, no doubt about it. So it's crazy. All right. A couple things. Are you How surprised are you that Florida's kind of just, I won't say, they've not bottomed out, but they've just really stagnated. Are they finally going to go to Anthony Richardson this week against Georgia? Doesn't sound like it based on what Dan Mullen is saying. Now, coaches lie. Right. <laughs> coaches can be misleading. Right. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, I think so. And look, it's not like he is playing. He's playing totally clean ball. No. Either. Now, early in the year, when he'd come in, he'd be dynamic. And then you're you're thinking, how in the world are they not sticking with this kid? Um, so there's been a little bit more inconsistency. I do think 
that he overall does protect the ball better, more dynamic, even more dynamic in the run game. Sure. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to know from a coach's standpoint. Is he, is he not getting to the right play? How's he practicing all, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. The, the practice, the leadership, right. The understanding of the passing game concepts. Cause you still need to, to be able to do that. I think Emory Jones actually taken some positive steps in that direction, but he still has that Doubles. in him to turn the ball over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so overall, yes, to answer your question, I am surprised that they're sitting here at three losses with another one coming in Jacksonville <laughs> against Georgia. Right. And I, I mean, I, I know upsets happen in college football and maybe Florida rises up and puts it all together because they do have some talent. But I would be surprised if, if this Florida unit can pull off that upset. And let me say this. If that happens, I know we'll talk about the playoff. The SEC... <laughs> the all the networks esp and all that they don't want any part of a georgia loss no no you're right no you're right because that probably means the loser of the sec's out and exactly. then the winner would probably still get in but still and then you don't get two teams from right. the sec right into the playoff right so yeah I, and and obviously cincinnati and all those teams are hoping for that I, I still don't think so. I mean, Florida, uh, Georgia has given up 46 total points yeah. in seven games. I mean, right. it's just, just insane. So I, I think they'll be fine. But, yeah, uh, two and three in the division, I mean, they're tied with Tennessee at two and three. So for them to not finish in second place in the East, right? I think that would that would definitely be a surprise. The one controvert, the one, I guess, question mark in Georgia you stick with Stetson Bennett or do you go to JT Daniels when he's healthy? I go to JT Daniels when he's healthy. I, I get the love for Stetson Bennett right now. And, you know, some analysts talk about he brings you the element of the run game and things like that. For Georgia in the playoff and in the SEC championship, for them to be the best team in the country, it can't just be defense and low scoring game. They're going to have to be able to throw the football and have some balance. And you get away with it against lesser competition right now. But I'm telling you, there's going to be things that are going to go yeah. wrong. Somebody's going to be able to score on that defense. And then you're playing from behind. I think JT Daniels brings you that element. Um, so I would still, it's going well with Stetson Bennett, but I think they're going to have to go back to Daniels. And this is another test it's another test on Kirby Smart's lap. <laughs> and it, because, you know, look, he's had some big in-game decisions that have not worked out in his favor. If he doesn't handle this and make the right call and they don't win it all with as good as they look right now and being the number one team, boy, the criticism the is going to be even more intense yeah, on him. So he's got to not botch this. And I it, look. I'm not waiting until the SEC championship game to make that right. move. If Daniels is healthy enough to do it, you get him some games under his belt before the SEC championship game. And then everyone knows who this team is. And Stetson Bennett is such a veteran. He's been in and out of the lineup, man. If you need him, if Daniels struggles, he's the perfect relief pitcher, perfect Absolutely. relief pitcher. Absolutely. All right, let's go to a couple coaching notes and we'll get to, and then we'll get to the big 10. Is Brian Harson really going to risk his job by not getting vaccinated? You know, I, I kind of wondered if he was going to go down, you know, this kind of road at media days where, I mean, you know, really? he was talking about, 
Yeah, how low the Auburn's vaccination rate was. And I just kind of got the hunch that, hey, this isn't me. Um, I, I would be surprised that, you know, he's probably holding out as long as he can or finding some sort of trying to look for some sort of loophole. I, I just, you don't, to me, you don't screw up those kind of, of jobs. Mike Leach is another one with the, with the rules in the state of Mississippi where they're going to, and he's, you know, not talking about it specifically right now because he says it's a fluid situation and all that. So, yeah, this thing is. Here's is, I'm gonna tell you my. Here's what's embarrassing to me, Vince. If you're a head football coach and you're asking the 18 year old kid or the 20 year old kid to get up at six o'clock in the morning to, to to run in the middle of winter, to practice in the summer, to do all the sacrifices that they have to do, and you're asking them to get a shot too. It's not like they don't have to get a shot for the most part. And then you're not going to do that as the head football coach making six, $7 million a year. And I know people have their own convictions of what they think and all that, but we all have to sacrifice. I mean, it just, it just kills me. I'm with you. I don't understand it. And I know people, like you said, can go off of their own research and what they, what they decide on, uh, you know, they make up their mind and then they look, then this is what just, happens in society people make up their mind and then they look for the information that matches what their opinion is and rather than the true research on it uh, how much how much more time do you need to research it? <laughs> have somebody research it for you um and yeah i'm with you it's the responsibility i know it's you know freedom you have your rights all that well guess what other people have rights to make decisions and requirements happens in the workplace and you know like you said it's you have to think of the team element. Nick Saban kind of laid it out. Yeah, the kids can make their own decision, but are are you putting other people at risk? Then we have to take that those kind of things into consideration. Making your teammates at risk, putting other people in the program at risk. It's you not being as available as other as other people are because of it. It's just yeah. I mean, I just and, and I know again, everybody has their own opinion of, of freedom, and I get it all. But that's just ridiculous when you're asking the kids to sacrifice as much as they as they, as they sacrifice in their college days and all that stuff. So, all right, let's go yeah. to Baton Rouge. What <laughs> do you think is going to happen in Baton Rouge? Ed Orgeron out. Yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of the similar names that you're gonna hear for USC. I think for LSU, not an exact list, but. Man, the top coaches. If Luke Fickle isn't on either of those schools' list, then you're doing something wrong. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the the SEC recruiting yes. ties in the roots. But you know, it, when he was at Ohio State, they recruited the South, and I know he's getting players from the South at Cincinnati also. So he's aware he can make that transition. He is that good. Um, you know, I, I obviously there's been the crazy big names that are always floated around out there. Uh, to me, I'm always keeping an eye on James Franklin. Um, is he having enough success at Penn State to be a guy that they try to bring in? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I, I think for the right amount of money, I think he would bounce from Penn State trying to stay ahead of the posse type of thing. And the then, two- you know, Mel. Mel Tucker at Michigan State is another guy that that his name has come up often. He's got, you know, obviously a ton of SEC coaching background also. And then Dave Aranda now having early success at Baylor. Does does with Woodward being the AD, does he make a run at Jimbo Fisher? 
Because that, that buyout, it, it, I don't think there's a buyout from what I understand with him at AM. and Is there any chance Jimbo were to jump ship there? Man, they, they've been down that road before, though, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's p- perhaps. Yeah. I would just be surprised, especially if things really close out well. Uh, it, it, Jimbo Fisher's got everything he needs at Texas A&M. It's one thing if you're someplace where they're not committed to football, you know, even at Florida state, they, right. they didn't want to put in money to invest in facilities and upgrades and, and showing the, the full commitment from the school. Right. That's not the case at A&M. Yeah. They got recruiting background. He's got facilities, stadium. I mean, everything, every resource is there. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know that he would bounce for, uh, for an LSU, even if there's their emotional, and then the, uh, then I'm gonna give you the ultimate. I'm gonna give you the ultimate wild card, Lane Kiffin. Now that that's uh, I think maybe a little bit more in play. I know he's taken some questions about that. Uh, his, you know, anytime you're, anytime your agent is Jimmy Sexton, <laughs> you're in play for big, big gigs. So, um, he and Scott Woodward were at the, the LSU Ole Miss game, yeah. um, you know, so I, you know, I, yeah, I, I think that is a name to consider. And, and now unlike the Tennessee job before this year with Josh Heupel when Josh Heupel was hired and a lot of Tennessee fans wanted Lane Kiffin, even though he used to be public enemy. Number one, make no mistake. There were plenty that wanted him. It was Hugh freeze, Lane Kiffin. Those were one, two on the fan popular choice in terms of hire because of what he did at Ole Miss last year. Now, if he's two years in Matt Corral moves on, knows where the program, if they're going to take a step back, you really cash in. I think that would be something that would be more in consideration, especially when you got a power player like Jimmy Sexton there. And look, if any of these guys are not, that guy is going to get these guys new big time deals. Lane's probably on his way to that anyway, without leveraging another job. But yeah, since it's not bouncing after a year, he didn't want to do that again after he did that to Tennessee fans. Two years, it's a little bit more palatable. Yep, yep. All right, you listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. We're talking to Vince Ferrara, 99.1 in Knoxville. We're hitting some college football stuff. We're going to hit the college football playoff here in just a minute. Let's go to the Big Ten. I just want to talk about three teams because the gauntlet's about to start in the Big Ten. Ohio State one loss, Michigan State undefeated, Michigan undefeated. They're about to all play each other here in the next three or four weeks. Can Michigan State continue this run with Mel Tucker, Harbaugh? Do they have enough offense at Michigan? And is just Ohio State with their one loss to Iowa? Are they going to be able to, to run the ta- the rest of the table that they got in front of them? You know, it's great questions. I think Michigan is a little bit more, a little bit more trustworthy than they normally would be under Jim Harbaugh. There, I, I don't see the absolute obvious flaws like we've seen from them before and that that QB play remember the quarterback for a good part of last year was now Tennessee backup quarterback and original starter Joe Milton the third the same so Joe, they, the same Joe yeah. Milton that on fourth and goal from the 20 on the last yeah. play of the game thinks he's going to run in 20 yards in the end zone against Ole Miss and and ended up running out of bounds yes. rather than throwing <laughs> it up into the end zone right. 
And and look, guys, single sing, guys make singular mistakes. I know, I get it. You know Eli and Peyton Manning were were you know, giving Tom Brady the business about you know last year not realizing it was fourth <laughs> down, but but he's got the track record of Tom Brady. I mean, he's got all that. Right. Joel Milton has got frustration of missing missing passes deep and not seeing open receivers and under 50% completion. So that's where it was more difficult for fans to get that and forgive right. him versus someone else uh, that, that maybe made a mistake. So um, I, back to Michigan, I, I, I do think they are solid. I think there's a loss in there somewhere. It might come against Michigan State. Michigan State can really run the rock. They're a better offense than I think anyone anticipated. They're a better team than anyone yes. anticipated. Did. You know, they've had their fair share of close calls also this year. And then look, Ohio State, they've they've looked dominant at times like the typical Ohio State. And then they had the one loss to Oregon. Right. And then other times they've kind of kind of slept walked at the same time. I think all of those teams are flawed. It would not surprise me if they all end up tripping once along the way, and then you're, you're sitting there with, you know, depth in terms of those top teams in the, in the big 10, but maybe not a great championship contending team could get them a bunch of the new year's six, but, and maybe if it's Ohio state, they, to me, they would have probably the best chance to get into a playoff, but you know, I think this is this is pretty wide open. I, typically, Jason, I default towards talent, right? And Ohio State. talent, yeah. That there's a gap there from Ohio State to everybody else. So, um, but they the won't talent, get in with they won't get in with two losses though. If they nope. slip up again, even if they win the Big Ten, I don't think they're getting in with two losses. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, Ohio, I was going to have to deal with what Ohio State did couple of years ago when they lost to Purdue and that right. was an eyesore on their schedule. Right. Iowa was manhandled by Purdue. Purdue killed, That's, crushed. Yeah. Even with one loss and being ninth in the rankings right now, before those, the first playoff rankings come next week. That that's tough to overcome in that committee room when people are judging you. So I think there there's kind of flaws in everybody, even though the records are really good, especially for Michigan and Michigan State. I think Ohio State's the one can, if they finish out, they'll be the one in the playoff and have the best chance to 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 get in there out of the Big Ten schools. But you're right, they cannot slip up. I don't think anybody can. Right. If Alabama has two losses, they're, they're not out. getting in. And if they're not getting in, nobody else is with two losses. And here's the thing to remember, too, even with Ohio State, even if Ohio State runs the table, if Alabama, Georgia beat each other once and they both make it and Cincinnati gets in, the people out west are going to say, Oregon, we beat Ohio State in Columbus. Both of us have one loss. If, if Oregon were to run the table, Ohio State may still not get in, even with one loss, and they win the Big Ten. Yeah, I, the the head to head is so tricky. People use it a lot, and I know that would be in play in that situation. But to me, an overriding more so than head to head is the full body of work. <laughs> and if you look like garbage and you're getting by with against bad teams right. throughout your schedule, and another team is more impressive, but then you have a win over them in, on the I'm road sorry. in Columbus. The, right, I, I get it. But I'm looking at the full body of work. You both have a, yeah, have a loss. It. You both I have the you. same record. 
I'm looking at the whole thing rather than, well, they beat them, so they have to be better. So there's a lot involved in that. Tricky, tricky. Can Cincinnati, yep. Obviously, do you think if Cincinnati runs the table, are they in? I think so, but it, to, it depends on who else is there with one loss. Right. How many of these power five schools are going to be sitting there at one loss? And do they turn things around in terms of being impressive? Any of these Big Ten schools, um, you know, if they add big wins on top of their record, then, then yeah, I think you're now looking at undefeated Cincy where they have the Notre Dame win, but now that win over Indiana yeah. isn't as impressive as it was supposed to be for them. Right. They'll have SMU as a, as a potential top 25 right. to maybe hang their hat on. But the rest of the schedule, really, yeah, and, and to me, I'm looking at the whole thing. And if you're not challenged off very often on your schedule, it's like open weeks. So, <laughs> and, and, and here's another thing. I, the way I look at it, and each committee member probably does it different, I don't look at it as where they were ranked at the time. I think where it is, and it's a it's a moving target, where they finish right. rather than where they're ranked at the look at how many ranked teams have lost yeah. so far this year and in the early part team. So if someone isn't ranked now, but they were way overrated before the year, Indiana's a perfect example. Right. Does Cincinnati deserve a top 25 win for beating Indiana? I'll, no. and I'll give you I'll give you a great example. Oklahoma's been skating by the last several right. weeks, they're undefeated, but they're, they're they've skated by two or three times so far this year. Right. You reward yeah, them, and, and, and they're they're one that maybe can change their their narrative down the stretch if they suddenly become more dominant. Now they don't have as many opportunities like the right. Big Ten teams play each other, so then they can they can you know add some significant wins. Right. That that conference doesn't afford you those opportunities. They've already played. Texas, um, you know, Oklahoma state, I, I guess would, but they took an L last week. So it, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult for them. Pac 12. There's not anyone, uh, I'll overwhelming give you one more team. other than, or one more yeah. team to look at the absolute Cinderella of all Cinderella's. If Wake Forest were, if Wake Forest were to run the table in a mediocre ACC, are they going to get some love? I think they would probably get um, more love than uh, well, no in Cincinnati. I, no, I th thinking about it, it. I think I honestly would be split. I do think that when you really look at the schedule, I know the ACC is is mediocre, but there's still more teams that present challenges. I agree, and aren't aren't gimmies in that conference to where and they bring a high level of offense to the table whereas Cincinnati even though they have more of the reputation of being good over the last few years and a, an extremely reputable coach that's getting a big time gig next year yes uh in Luke Fickle I, I think they the, I think some people will favor Cincinnati I think some would favor Wake Wake is at least making some some moves now in terms of the rankings up to 13, but let's see what kind of ground they'd have to make out when those first playoff uh, rankings come out next week. This, yep. that, that will be very telling. If they have to come from way back, if they're like 15, 16. They're not they're making it. 
yeah, one loss, then, then they're not going to be able to make up that ground. If they're in the top 10, yes. then there's going to be opportunities with teams playing each other for them to move up. And then it's a matter of side to side, Cincinnati and Wake. Um, you know, if Pitt had not lost to Western Michigan, I think be- Pitt would be the team of the ACC. I saw Pitt earlier this year and, you know, them having a close win against Tennessee. Actually, yeah. that loss by Tennessee to them looks better now. Kenny Pickett's a Heisman candidate. That's another thing that they would have to their advantage is if you have an elite player like that. Right. Um, so it, it's it's a shame for, for them that they had that inexplicable loss to Western Michigan, but yeah, it's, it is a down year for the ACC for sure. But um, it, it's, it's an interesting team you throw out in wake last couple of things. We'll get you out of here. Tennessee, couple two, two Tennessee notes. One, it seems like the, 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 the electricity is getting back into Neyland stadium. Sounds like it was really jumping for the old Miss game as far as the crowd and just the electricity around the program. How do you think Hypel? you're right there with Hypel every day. Hypel is Hypel making an impact in that community. He is, and I think there's more belief in him now than the wait-and-see approach by a lot of people when he was hired. And because people had been there, done that, with a lot a lot of the, the coaching turnover and, honestly, AD turnover that they've had, you know, for, it's for some people, they weren't crazy about, all right, Danny White was hired, and he turns around and brings in his own guy. Even though he said that's not who he was going <laughs> after originally, he was his top guy. Um so I think Danny White's done a great job as AD. Yeah. I think Josh Heupel has exceeded expectations from fans. He bring he brought in a reputation of offense. He has delivered that. He brought in a reputation as developing quarterbacks. He didn't pick the right quarterback out of the gate. Very important note. And he only made the move because Milton got hurt in that pit game. Who knows? Maybe a series later, he would have pulled the plug on Milton and gone to Hendon Hooker. We'll never know, but he is getting the most out of Hendon Hooker. Hooker's a player. He is. He's third in the nation in passing efficiency. Talk about the Heisman Trophy. He's ahead. He's got guys in front and behind him that are on the Heisman shortlist right now. That's how good he has been. And so I think he has delivered. He's checked the boxes for all the things he was supposed to do coming in. The defense, even though they've given up a ton of yards, they've outperformed what people thought. I mean, a lot of us thought they would be outstanding on offense, horrific on defense. They have had the early season inconsistencies on offense, but they have been better than that defensively, especially at the line of scrimmage. They lead the nation in tackles for loss, almost nine a game, which is a big number. And they've had a ton of injuries and they've even despite that they've overcome those and and played pretty well. I think a lot of people took a positive out of, you know, hanging with Alabama for 50 of the 60 minutes on the road. Right. When a lot of years, they don't even look competitive against Alabama. So uh, there's a lot of things that after this open week, get to Kentucky, maybe help be healthy. Let's see what they look like. But I think fans, because of the culture, the buy-in, the effort that they play with, the fact that they at least have a fighting chance with their offense. And then the, the defense looks a little bit better. I think fans are believing in Hypo more. Certainly there's bigger tests to, to, to come, yeah. but handled adversity pretty well. Just, I think even though despite the four and four record and I honestly, just uh, this, the way i mapped out the entire schedule, I had them at six and six and I had them at four and four at this point with, yeah. with losses to Kentucky and Georgia and then wins against South Alabama and Vanderbilt to get to six and six. 
I'll, I'll be honest with you. I might pick Tennessee to win at Kentucky. And I wouldn't have said that going into the year. And I know Kentucky's had their impressive moments. They're going to be quite the challenge, but I think Tennessee has got a good chance in that game. And the fact that Kentucky won't have that running element, I don't think at quarterback, plus they can be a little bit more one dimensional. If they do fall behind, Tennessee's done a good job against rushing running backs in the run game. I think that would be that that's a game that's within play for Tennessee, at least in the 50 50 range, probably be just a few point favorite for Kentucky at home. So I think if you can get to, you you have fans now talking about a seven and five and then, Hey, let's see if we win that game, take our chances. Maybe we can be competitive against Georgia win against South Alabama and Vanderbilt. Now you're talking about a little better bowl game. Absolutely. Uh, In year one with the NCAA stuff that, you know, is still kind of in the background, even though it's, I don't think it's going to keep them from going to a bowl game this year. Right. I think fans recruits, all that is resonating with them right now. So it's been very positive for sure. There you go. Last thing to get you out of here, basketball season right around the corner. Yeah. A lot of hype with the Tennessee balls, Rick Barnes still getting it. Still, you know, putting together good programs since he's been there. You're you just giving the sense of, of the, the hype around Tennessee basketball a little bit. Yeah, continuing to recruit and sign five stars. Kennedy Chan, their point guard from the Memphis area yep. originally, and and um, coming into to this program, and um, they needed they needed point guard play and they needed a post play, and they got a bunch of that with the newcomers that have come in. They got eight newcomers on this roster, fourteen scholarship guys with the the guys getting the free COVID year. Yeah, uh, it's a big roster, a lot of guys that probably are on the back end of that could play for a number of other programs, right? There's tremendous competition and there there's, this is the deepest team I've seen from a Tennessee basketball team. I wasn't here for, for all of Pearl, right. but it, those guys, I don't know that they had the depth of those guys just overachieved and they, they had some good players, but Pearl just coached the heck out of them and got the most out of the roster. This is a talented team going to be young and bet they're going to be young and get better as the year goes on. Right. Got to get a player, one of Bruce Pearl's players, Justin Powell from Auburn, but uh, they'll have a lot more length. They'll be able to go full court defensively, throw more waves of players, super athletic as always. Well, I've watched them practice now three times, including doing our show from basketball practice earlier today when we're taping this and just really impressed by mm-hmm. this roster. I think they'll be, you know, top 10-ish type of team this year. Um, and we'll see if they can improve later on this year. But a lot of excitement with this basketball team, for sure. It's crazy. The football team is, it has a little bit of a positive vibe. Yeah. Fans are in love with the Tennessee baseball team and Tony Vitello, and they're excited about Tennessee men's basketball as well. I, I don't remember, Jason, having right. three teams that have excited the fans at the same time at Tennessee, maybe in my entire time here since 2010, it's been, you know, one up, two down, two right. up, one down, that type of thing. Having three of those and, you know, the Lady Vols. I was going to ask gonna you, be good. that's what I was just going to ask you, the state of the Lady Vols program. They've kind of had a little swoon the last couple of years or kind of a leveling out. Are they, is there a hope that they're back on the uptick with the new coach? I think so. Kelly Harper is still recruited pretty well. The tough thing is, is that the, the hardcore, uh, you know, big time regular 
uh, Lady Vols fans that are, are season ticket holders, there is still a standard to the glory years for that Lady Vols program. And it took such a dip under Holly Warlick that they just can't live up to that. Now, I think Kelly Harper has risen, risen the program up. It's been baby steps and they're not their own worst enemy and they don't have roster drama like they did under Holly Warlick. So it's been a steady climb and, you know, slow and steady wins the race. Perhaps they're not quite on the level of the elite in the SEC, but they're kind of on that second tier. Mm -hmm. So they'll be a good team. But unfortunately, because it is not what it used to be and the Pat Summit standard is something that they still have to fight. I think they're the fan base has has thinned out. And it's going to take something special, I think, to get them back in the in the many thousands that they had before that. Awesome. man! Great work, Vince. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Vince also does play by play in in Knoxville, high school football, all kind of stuff based with the baseball program as well. So tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, appreciate it. On Twitter at Vince Sports, V-I-N-C-E Sports. You can look for Vince Sports or Vince Ferrara on YouTube. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. And then our website is 991thesportsanimal.com. There's a ton of content on Tennessee. You know, all the avails. We're going to talk to Josh Heupel and a bunch of players tomorrow in the open week. And, you know, there's just a, a ton of content. We had media days, with dozens of players and coaches for Tennessee basketball. So you want to learn about the program. And you know, I do predictions on my blog for NFL for uh, SEC football. There's just a ton of content, new podcast look on our website, uh, do MMA play by play, even though there's not uh, right now taking a couple of months off with the regional organization busy as, as heck with football, do a TV show on Sundays where I'm a regular guest and keep going on and on. But um, just, just a fun time of year, just being involved in sports It's seven days a week, but it's sports. So yeah, yeah. Man. who are we I mean, to complain? You know, exactly. And I was, I was over at your old stomping grounds the other day at Jefferson high school. And I didn't, yeah. the banner, the Vince Ferrara <laughs> banner was going up behind the goalposts. <laughs> yeah. I told you to bring those strong binoculars and look for it, but maybe one. We'll- one day we'll see steven garcia the most famous jefferson dragon football player there you go there you go so <laughs> oh man well thanks for the time man awesome awesome job keep up the great work in knoxville we'll talk real soon man you as well always a pleasure thanks all right you just watch listen to the powers on sports podcast we will be right back thanks again for listening to the powers on sports podcast remember to subscribe rate and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.